Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through to 40. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the regions of Phyga and Galata, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysa, they tried to enter Bithynia, but then, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysa and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Strath. Seems, seems thrash, and the next day to Nepalus. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tythra, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of the household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you can consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Paul and Silas in prison. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for, own, for owners by, foretelling, by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought before them the magistrate and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, 
he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sir, must, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had done because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight at the magistrates, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release these men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officer, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want us to get rid of? And now they do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to, the, to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, as we come before you this morning, we pray that you would quieten our hearts. We pray that you would prepare us for what you have for us this morning. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us to sit in your presence, to reflect on your word, and to be reminded of who you are and of what you have done for us through Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. A country newspaper had been running a series of articles about the value of church attendance. One day, the editor received a, a, a letter, and in this letter it read, print this if you dare. I've been trying an experiment, the letter said. I have a field of corn which I ploughed on Sunday. I planted it on Sunday. I did all the cultivating on Sunday. I gathered the harvest on Sunday and hauled it to my barn on Sunday. I find that my harvest this October is just as great as any of my neighbours who went to church each Sunday. So where was God all this time? Well, in the end, the editor did actually print this article, but he put his own note on the bottom. He said, your mistake was in thinking that God always settles his accounts in October. God's timing is very different from ours. And the mistake we tend to make is confusing God's timing with ours. 
God cares a great deal about timing. In fact, the Bible takes a lot of time to focus in on time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And in verse 11 of that same chapter, it says, God made everything beautiful in its time. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 tells us that God waited to send Jesus into the world until the time had fully come. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 tells us that Jesus died for the ungodly at just the right time. God is at work in the lives of those who trust him. The mistake that we often make is confusing God's timing with ours. That's why we become discouraged when we aren't able to see change in those that we've been praying for or in those we've been reaching out to, trying to encourage to the Lord. That's why we become discouraged when we don't feel like we can see any impact that we're making for the gospel at all. But in today's passage, we are being reminded that God works in his timing and not ours. And so when we feel discouraged or patient, impatient, we can rest in the knowledge that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him in his timing and not ours. Now, as this section begins, Paul is still on his second missionary journey. But the difference is this time he has three traveling companions. The first is Silas, who he'd brought with him from Antioch as he set out. The second is Timothy, who he'd picked up at, at Lystra. And now from verse 10 of, in these verses, Luke, the author of the book of Acts and also the Gospel of Luke, also joins them on their journey. We know this because from verse 10 on, Luke begins to use the words we and us to include himself in what's going on with Paul and his companions. Now, right from the beginning of this section, we see God's timing at work as he guides the establishment of his church. Now, it seems that it was Paul's intention to travel to Asia, which is a region, and uh, to share the good news of Jesus with the towns in that area. But they would have to wait until Paul's third missionary journey. Because we're told in verse 6 that during his journey, the Holy Spirit kept Paul and his companions from traveling into that region. Can't help but wonder what that looked like. So realizing that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go into that region, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit kept them from going in there as well. So they went to Troas, no doubt to wait and figure out what God was calling them to do. And during the night, Paul was given a vision of a man from Macedonia. And this man was begging them to come over to Macedonia and to help them. And so realizing that God was directing them to Macedonia, this region of Macedonia, to preach the good news of Jesus, Paul and his companions set out for Philippi. Now, Philippi was an important city in the region of Macedonia. 
It was a Roman city, a very proudly Roman city, filled with Gentiles, not non-Jews. And this Roman city, important Roman city, was a centre for trade, a place where Roman soldiers would often retire, and a place that boasted the largest theatre in the Roman world. And among the inhabitants of this very large Roman city, there were very few Jews. So few, in fact, that even in this thriving Roman city, there was no Jewish synagogue. According to Jewish tradition, it took at least 10 Jewish worshipping men to be able to establish a synagogue. But here in Philippi, we get no mention of any Jewish men at all. But instead, we're introduced to a Greek God-fearing woman named Lydia. On the Sabbath, Paul and his companions went out of the city and down to the river, expecting to find a place of prayer. And there they found a group of women gathered to worship the Lord. And so Paul and his companions sat down and began to share the good news of Jesus with these women. This was an incredibly countercultural thing for these Jewish men to do, to evangelize Greek women. But as they shared the good news of Jesus, God blessed their words. And in his timing, he opened Lydia's heart to hear and believe the good news of Jesus. And as she came to saving faith, she shared the good news of Jesus with everyone in her family. And even though Luke doesn't take the time to explain it, they must have all come to saving faith because they were all baptised as believers along with Lydia. Now, Lydia is described as quite a wealthy woman. She was a dealer of purple cloth, which was a, a very valuable commodity at the time. And so this well-off woman, in response to the faith that God had given her, the, this newfound faith in Jesus, invited these four travelling companions to come and stay in her home. And from then on, her home became their base while they are in Philippi. Luke tells us that one day when they were set out from Lydia's house, off to the place of prayer, a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination began to shout, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling us, telling you the way to be saved. This didn't just happen once. This went on for many days over and over again. This slave girl was very valuable to her owners. She made a lot of money for them telling fortunes. And what's interesting is that her testimony about Paul and his companions was true. They were servants of the Most High God and they were telling them how they could be saved. The trouble was that this slave girl was saying these things under the influence of an evil spirit, which, would have, which could have easily confused the crowds who would have begun to think that Paul and Silas were being influenced by the same kind of spirit. So after putting up with this shouting for many days, Paul became so troubled that he cast this spirit out of this girl in the name of Jesus, and it immediately left her. I find it really interesting that Paul didn't do this 
the first day she came along. It seems it wasn't time for that to take place. But at just the right time, God prompted Paul to cast out this evil spirit and release this girl from spiritual oppression. Now, when the owners of this girl saw that their opportunity to make money out of her was gone, they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them off to face the authorities. But interestingly, they didn't grab Timothy or Luke. And that was probably because uh, Luke was Greek and Timothy, well, his father was Greek, so he probably looked Greek, while Paul and Silas were Jewish through and through. And so in this Roman city of Philippi, Paul and Silas, they were the foreigners. And notice the charges that the owners bring before the magistrates. They don't say that these men have healed our slave girl of demon oppression. What they say is these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar and advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd, seeing that Paul and Silas were Jews, they joined in the attack against these foreigners. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they'd been severely beaten, they were thrown into prison. That night, while Paul and Silas sat in their prison cell, they began to pray and sing hymns of praise to the Lord. And while they did this, all of the other prisoners were listening. All of a sudden, there was a violent earthquake that shook the entire place so incredibly violent that it even broke the chains off all the prisoners and all the doors were opened. And when the jailer woke up and saw the state of the prison, how he could slip through a violent earthquake like that, no one knows, but after he woke up and saw this, he picked up his sword and was about to kill himself. In those days, if a Roman guard or a Roman soldier or a Roman jailer allowed a prisoner to escape, whatever the sentence for the prisoner was, would be the sentence that jailer would face. And in most cases, the punishment was death. And so thinking that that was the fate that awaited him, this guard was about to take his life before he had to deal with the shame of being executed by his superiors. But at just the right time, just before this man took his life and spent eternity separated from God, Paul cried out, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. Part of me wonders how he knew everybody was there. But Luke doesn't tell us. When the jailer heard this, he dropped his sword in disbelief and ran in to see if this was really true. As he ran in, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Which they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Paul and Silas then shared the good news of Jesus with the jailer and his whole household. And because the jailer and his whole household believed, they were all baptised. And we know that all of his family believed 
because we're told in verse 34 that the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. The next morning, the magistrates sent word to the jailer, telling them that they could let Paul and Silas go. But when the jailer told Paul this news, well, he wasn't having a bar of it. Even though Paul and Silas were Jews, they were also Roman citizens. They knew that it was unlawful for a Roman citizen to be flogged in the way that they'd been flogged. That punishment was strictly reserved for foreigners. And it was time, it was in that time, that Paul was compelled to reveal this fact. When the magistrates heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were afraid and they were right to be afraid because this was such a serious crime that they'd committed, they could be stood down as magistrates. And so to appease Paul's demand, these important magistrates humbled themselves, went to the jail, apologised to Paul and Silas and escorted them out of the prison. As I was preparing for today's message, I was struck by how many of the events in these verses were completely out of the control of Paul and his companions. They had their plans, but God was guiding their footsteps every step of the way. God led them to Philippi and to the place of prayer. God had prepared the heart of Lydia and her whole family to believe. God had prompted Paul to cast the demon out of that girl. God sent that violent earthquake that shook the entire prison. And God enabled the whole household and the jailer of the jailer to believe. God was working in all of these things for the good of those who love him. But he was doing it in his timing and not ours. And this reminds us that we can have confidence in the power of the good news of Jesus. Even when we can't see any change in the people we've been praying for or the people we've been trying to encourage toward Jesus. Many of us have family members who don't know the Lord, many if, if not all of us. Many of us are praying for them regularly and would long to see them come to saving faith in the Lord. Sometimes it's really hard to keep on praying when we don't feel like those prayers are being answered. When we don't feel like God is going to act. But today's passage is reminding us that even though we might feel as though God is slow in answering our prayers, he is working in all things for the good of those who love him in his perfect timing and not ours. Today's passage is also teaching us that God meets people where they are at. It was the teaching of the good news of Jesus that brought Lydia and her whole household to saving faith in Jesus. It was a unique series of events, the healing of a demon-possessed girl, a miraculous earthquake, prisoners staying in their cell, 
and the message of the risen Lord Jesus that caused the Philippian jailer and his whole household to believe. We aren't told whether the slave girl believed after she was healed, though I suspect she was, but we don't know. We aren't told whether the other prisoners who heard Paul and Silas singing praises through the night came to saving faith, but we do know they stayed in their cells after all the doors were open and their chains came off. But what we do see in these verses is that there's more than one method that God uses to reach out to people with the good news of Jesus. God uses different circumstances in his timing to bring Lydia and the Philippian jailer and their families to him. And so if God uses different ways to meet people where they're at, there's no need for us to adopt a strict or rigid guideline for how we reach out to people with the good news of Jesus. God may use us to bring someone to himself simply by sitting down and having a cuppa with someone in our community. He may use us to bring someone to himself through SRE or prime time or some other sort of evangelistic event or, or kids' church. He may use our persistent prayer as we pray for those we long to know Jesus. Or he may use a unique series of events to turn someone's heart to himself. We aren't always able to see how God is working in different situations. But what we can be sure of is that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him in his timing and not ours. Let's pray. Father God, sometimes we can feel so helpless when we, when we long to see people come to know you. And when we feel as though our prayers are not being heard, Lord, help us to be reminded and encouraged by the news that you are working, even when we aren't able to see it for ourselves. Because the picture you see is so much bigger than ours. Lord, we pray that you would help us to entrust those that we are praying for and encouraging the Lord to you and to your plans. And Lord, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.